0: I don't think this is new, but you know the way that I summarize it is you take all the data and then you pad it with storytelling. And so you drive with your visuals on the data, but then you have the real attributes of your customers telling you. And then you take those snippets and show, you know, here's the real life factual data that's coming back. And we do this for market research. We do this for escalating support cases. We do this for product roadmapping. We do this for all the things that we're advocating for our customers. And so it's really, and what's the beautiful thing about customer success is that you can apply this stuff to almost any board. Gainsight presents the Game Changer podcast with host Adam Joseph.
1: hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of the gamesite game changer podcast series i am adam joseph your host and the regional vp of customer success at gamesite so as many of the listeners to this pod can attest to we've just seen a huge exponential rise of customer success and that can be measured in several different ways from the the huge numbers of people who either now work in a cs role or entering it from both the front and back office to having over 20,000 attendees at our recent Pulse Everywhere events. And one of the other ways that we've seen, you know, this growth of customer success is that it doesn't just reside within business-to-business, SaaS subscription businesses anymore. You can see customer success almost everywhere else, such as B2C or business-to-consumer, or even businesses that you might consider more traditional, such as legal companies, public sector, and higher education. But once you leave the space that most of us know around B2B SaaS subscription, what does customer success look like and feel like in these other models? And are there some important differences to consider? Well, I'm delighted to say that joining me to discuss this really interesting topic is Jeff Heckler, who's Director of Customer Success Solutions at MarketSource. Uh, Jeff, a, a very warm welcome to you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Uh, always a pleasure to speak with you and, and all the professionals on your side and, and to shop uh, talk shop. So this is something we could probably spin on for quite a number of hours, but uh, we'll try to keep it concise today.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And look, before we get into the meat of the subject, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and, and market source.
0: Sure. Well, I've been customer facing in uh, software for over 20 years, came up through uh, professional services. And I know what it's like to sit across the hall from a, a server closet when we remember what those were and all the on prem world things. Uh, then got into CS probably uh, about 10 years now but by accident probably like everybody else. So trying to to drive value for customers and and solve their problems while also learning about product and how we can drive value for the company. And then straddling that lovely relationship between what's best for my company and what's best for my customers and advocating on both sides of the house and and finding the best ways forward for both, which actually ends up to be the best value for both, has just been absolutely fascinating. And the people along the way are probably the best part of it. So... That's where I'm at. And then uh, Market Source, we're the global leader in sales innovation processes, uh, have been for 46 years. And so, what we're uh, doing now is bringing customer success to the world, uh, enterprise and, and Fortune 500 focused. And so, bringing customer success by Market Source to those organizations and helping to revolutionize them from the inside out. Uh, and at the heart of a lot of that is what we're going to talk about today, which customer success is not just for SaaS
1: anymore. And one thing I, I've got in common with market sources, we're both 46, so that's a happy <laughs>
0: point. <laughs> well, got both of you by one year, so let's try to keep it that way.
1: <laughs> and i'm always interested to learn something away from the office for, about all of my guests and uh, we were just talking before we hit the record button and i was incredibly impressed to hear you've just run a marathon which is something that i wish i could do and I, as i was saying to you earlier i think the physical side of doing it is one thing but the ability to mentally keep going when in old money you're doing 25 and a half miles and it's something else in much a bigger number in kilometers if i can quickly do the math but i'm just interested how did you train and prepare yourself for that and how did you Mentally keep going, because so I'm sure at some points, no matter how fit you are, the the joints and knees would have ached. How did you push yourself through the pain barrier?
0: Well, with others, honestly, just like with work. So my partner and I train daily. We might take a day off a week, but it's a daily thing, just like everything else. Uh, what you do every day culminates in being able to cover 26.2 miles. And then I actually ran the entire marathon with my a good buddy of mine, Tom, on uh, November. Uh, I'm sorry, September 11th. So that was in honor of two of my friends on that day. So it was for others and with others. There's not anything in my life I've ever been able to accomplish solo. So I just stick with those that I can do it with and do it for. And yeah, that's how it goes, man.
1: Well, you know what? What an incredible thing to do and honoring your buddies as well. I'm just as I say, in awe of, of the achievement, wish I could do something similar, but you've definitely motivated me. But you definitely, the point around taking strength from others, I think is a really, really good point. So well well done on that phenomenal achievement. Well, let, let's dig into the heart of today's topic, which is around kind of when we, when At least I think of customer success. My my brain immediately switches to the format that I'm most used to seeing it, which is all around in the business-to-business SaaS or or on-prem worlds. But, of course, we've seen customer success kind of go beyond that. And I think that says a lot about where we are in customer success and it's the current stage of evaluation from, you know, the very early days where customer success was all about churn mitigation and the only role in town was that of a customer success manager – And it being very much a siloed position within the business to today where. It's, it's a completely different world, not just in terms of the number of people in the profession, but also how it's evolved within organizations. I was talking to someone else today who described customer success as the glue that combines or binds together all of the other functions within the business and how important it is and having a seat at the table and having a, you know, with the chief customer officer role that's manifesting itself even more. How do you think, you know, if you think about customer success today, Jeff, or what stage of if its evolution can you see it at the moment?
0: Gosh, I, I'd just like to f- to come back to everything that you said about the glue and about the value it brings for the organization. But So I've had the time and the space b- very recently to, to kind of think about this a little bit longer than I've had in the past. And so I just use history. And so I look at that. And I think... What we're into now, thanks to COVID, a lot of things that happened the past 18 to 24 months, the explosion of and realization of the value of CSOps, the explosion and the need for digital for a, a host of different reasons. We could do a whole pod on that. So, what we had in the mid 90s, right before 2000 and in there, we had platform companies like SFTC and Siebel, Gainsight to Tango, Turn Zero, even I guess a little bit later, but they all came out. And so you had that and it realized, okay, there's value. Like you said, in the SaaS, B2B, Silicon Valley roots. And that was goodness. And then became formalized. More companies started you know, pumping that out, really putting that more than just operational and, and seeing CS at advising companies. And that came up to probably a, about a, you know two years ago now. What I think we see now and why we see, like you said, what, 20,000 plus people at Pulse. And I was there and that was an incredible event as all the things that you guys do are. But I think what is next is this, what I'm called Customer Success 3.0. So if you look at the explosion of CS ops, you look at pooled CS models, which I didn't even throw that one in there yet, getting you know from the one to many just to, to pooled resources that come in with an education expansion and engagement at the right time, right place, right message. Then you've got digital CS. And if I can boldly say CS owned marketing. So going back to like helixal models and CS qualified leads and things like that, like we're really seeing the whole new wild, wild west of customer success. And so I call it 3.0. I don't have a better term, but that's what I'm looking at it as. And so then you look at, and I, we'll get into this, like all the other ways that CS principles and philosophies and practices can modernize historic older models of sales and how they can bring out the entire customer lifecycle beyond just journey mapping, which particularly tends to stay, you know, trial to pay and things like that, and then forward. So I'll, I'll hold, curb my enthusiasm best I can and hold myself back. But So you take it from there, however you want to go next. But I think this is an exciting time, obviously.
1: Yeah, well, you, you've won extra brownie points by mentioning my favorite ever comedy, Curb Your Enthusiasm. But the- <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. But just going back to some of the points that you made earlier, I think obviously COVID's been a challenging time for everyone. But from a, a professional sense, I think it really has focused customer success in the minds of senior execs and helped increase the profile of those in the role. Not to say it wasn't necessary, you know, it was taken for granted earlier, but particularly as new buying cycles became even more challenging during that whole period. I think the ability to keep your customers and fingers crossed even grow them and the ability and importance of customer success in that whole process is really came to the fore and i think that has really helped i mean as i say it's difficult to find any silver linings of what's been a really challenging time but from a cs perspective i I think it has probably fast forwarded the customer success movement um by years and years and years and even organizations that i would spoken to previously who are somewhat skeptical about cs they get it now they see it they understand it and they're really anxious they 're really keen to have people come and speak to them about how best they could either introduce it or scale it, so really kind of agree with you there, and also the different types of CS roles and the levels of specializations. I was talking to someone today all around the notion of pulled CSMs and the, this new role which we've called digital CSM. and there's another podcast in this series where we focus all around the, the digital part of it and you know how you can use technologies such as gainsight to really you know successfully leverage tools such as Gainsight to, to run digital CS programs. So uh, it's been a super interesting journey up up until now. But of course, there are still so many organizations out there that still support on-prem, still have perpetual license models. And of course, though, it's, it's more challenging for those kinds of organizations. So, you know, If you work in a SaaS business, you probably have some kind of level of product telemetry data and you're able to analyze uh, your customer in maybe a different way than you can if you have a customer who's on a more old-style on-prem product. So how do you see customer success working in those kind of models as opposed to the SaaS model that maybe more people are familiar with?
0: Sure. I, I, on-prem, I mean, you could still go after uh, usage data uh, and go after that sentiment and see what you have with your customers there, and then do all the cohort and look-alike analysis that you'd like. There's great adoption platform software that you can sit inside other larger tools as well uh, and, and monitor that usage. And then when you start to, to really go forward off of on-prem into you know, the rest of the world, so you're looking at more like sentiment. And so you have performance management platforms that can give you all the talk and behavioral analysis, that you can dissect, and then it's going further. So you have AI and, and other platform technology-enabled platforms that can do things like uh, physical attribute and behavioral analysis on video, uh, and getting the sentiment out of your population that way. So if you take all the data points, however you collect them, right? So you, from just the data pool itself, and then you start to look at some of the mid-range sentiment, either from you know analytics of uh, physical attributes or talk time ratios and and keywords and those kind of things that still come out of technology and then start to use those to tag the real life conversations. And so you're looking at real snapshots of conversations, a couple seconds to a couple minutes of bytes for everyone in your organization. So you can share that sentiment across the board, no matter what your product or your market is, and then share it that way. So I don't think this is new, but you know, the way that I summarize it is you take all the data and then you pad it with storytelling. And so you drive with your visuals on the data, but then you have the real attributes of your customers telling you, and then you take those snippets and show, you know, here's the real life factual data that's coming back. And we do this for market research. We do this for escalating support cases. We do this for product road mapping, We do this for all the things that we're advocating for our customers. And so it's really, and what's the beautiful thing about customer success is that you can apply this stuff to almost any org. So if you just take the data about your customers, whether you're an SMB, a mom and pop, or you're a massive enterprise, and then you build around the sentiment, the honest, true feedback from your customers at scale, and drive that to the individuals that can help you enact change, which is what we do in CS, then you have you know, something to go with. And, it, and then from there, depending on who you are, what you are, what your scale is, you find the tools. So whether it's you know gain, gain sight, or if it 's you know something else that works on a, an enterprise platform management like a talk tool, or if you have you know, go one of the, a smaller startup that 's doing you know AI on, on behavioral analysis from video, and then it 's the real life talk
1: from your customers and, and out in the marketplace yeah, I find it fascinating this kind of behavioral science and how you take those cues from conversations from video and then turn that into real life. Kind of analysis that you can do in the same way that I guess we're all familiar. At least a lot of the organisations I work with are taking simple user logins and the the journey map that someone might take around using you know where they click to get from A to Z. But you know this this kind of stage, at least in my eyes, it's still at it's early stages. But you know the next generation of CSMs, you can imagine having all of this kind of data points that we don't have now at least at scale. And I think it's so exciting to hear about it. It
0: just to interject that and this is kind of what you alluded to in the beginning It was about the silver lining so we've never before had so much video data before and so now that you have all this you have a collection which will help you to build an accurate model for your product and then you have all the data that you know a customer base and you can start to build icps off all, all these organizations that have video to scale and then the two get married so you know it's like everything else that we see in cs the problems become these amazing solutions or adventure. And so getting into all these next gen So,
1: And something else I'm intrigued for, Jeff, as well as as an experienced CS professional, obviously it's all, I mean, it's fantastic to have all of this sentiment data alongside all of the other information you collect about a customer. But it's one thing having all of those data points. It's another thing entirely, you know, affecting change as a result of it. And so much of that change goes beyond what we control in customer success. It means you've got to bring to the table your colleagues in product, in engineering, in marketing and sales. And as I described earlier, you know, using customer success as as the glue that binds all of these functions together. I just wonder, in your experience, how have you successfully been able to kind of bring other stakeholders in the business together and and kind of wrap them around this mandate for change based on a customer success ethos? Is there anything, kind of best practices you might be able to share?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the question. This is actually was a hot topic of 10 days, two weeks ago on LinkedIn that we were talking about. And so I just gave the example. And so with the resources and the kind of the constraints that I was that I've had in the past, one of the things I've, I've done a couple of times is I built CS platform out of the CRM that we had. So to a couple of different places using really well-known CRMs and then some not so well-known CRMs, building a CS platform and really a set of tools for the team. So that we, you know, we can standardize some practices and processes and we can, you know, start to put some rigor and uh, integrity in our work and then streamline and automate. So very simple, walk you right through it uh, in probably 30, 45 seconds. You take your CS platform and you build out a process by which you're tagging and flagging your accounts, whether they're the accounts themselves or an attribute of those accounts, like a deal and you flag those, and then as you start to get sentiment, which is either, hey, this is on the roadmap and that's what we'd like to do, or this is a showstopper, you start to flag those, and then you can export that data if your tool doesn't have something inherent, roll up the data by feature, or, or by product ideation, roll that up to the number of customers, the MRR, AR, NRR that is impacted or at, so at risk or is an opportunity, and then evangelize that to the, the proper stakeholders across your company. Do that with a cadence. Uh, I would say monthly is not a bad idea, biweekly if, if you have a tighter ship uh, or smaller ship. And so then you roll that up and, and so here here's the top five at risk By feature and by roll up of our dollar amounts. And here are some opportunity that we could go after that we're consistently seeing across the marketplace. And if we can build in some competitive intel that tells us that, you know, companies like us are also doing these things already or on their product roadmap as well, then, you know, you really start to get that across the company and then you start to see change. And then you can share that with your customers and really show that you're advocating on both sides of the house, leading again, what is it? It's leading with data and it's padding with storytelling. So that's a a quick and easy snapshot of how to be actionable about it.
1: No, I I think that's great. And there's so many takeaways there. And as we kind of wrap up the pod and God, the the time's gone so quickly, I'm really interested to see where some examples of where you've actually seen customer success manifest itself in places where, frankly, a year, five years ago, it never would have been, you know, whether that's around higher education, healthcare, manufacturing, government, public sector. Where have you started to see Um, customer success evolve now? And and have you noticed any kind of, uh, any bigger changes or things that you've noticed that surprised you at all in in how that's manifested itself?
0: Gosh, this one we could talk about for a long time. So here's how I boil it down for some of my friends and my family or my mother who was just here visiting for her birthday. If you have a customer or you have a population that you serve, you have a product, a service, or widget, or something that you give and provide, then you have customer success already. You just don't label it as such. And, and It's not formalized. Moving it forward, when I first went out to the Silicon Valley and moved there in 2011, I started with Accenture and my end client was Stanford Hospitals and Clinics, and it, everything was outcome-based. Everything, AMRs, EHRs, it, all about outcomes. And so that really was, what's the result? What is the value prop that we're driving towards? And then you move that forward today, You know, I was up in Indiana running this marathon, and my friend has a monthly subscription to Panera for coffee. And so that is a very non-traditional subscription-based model. And if you take it, you know, you can look at anybody that's running any sort of reoccurring model for customers. So you can look at your ink and your paper. If you go to Office Depot, they want to get you on the subscription, and they want to get you on the subscription for the service of any device that you purchase from that organization. Uh, so your car, you take it for servicing when it needs an oil change, and then they want to see you come back every six months just to you know free, give you a free car wash. They just want to bring you back and, and ensure they're bringing back that customer. And we started off talking about what COVID did when everyone's focus went from filling top of funnel and acquisition trial to pay to say, oh, gosh, we can't do that right now. So let's go. Let's pivot. and. Oh wow, we have all these existing customers, and if we do the math, then a five percent retention of customers is twenty-five times the profitability. We don't have to resell it, you know. So we're all concerned about the reoccurring revenue, we're all concerned about our customers and longevity, and customers for life. And so it's any frequent flyer program, any keychain where you have a gym tag on it. It's about the membership. It's about the relationship. It's about kind of what we started talking about, Adam. It's people with people. So. No matter what your org is, no matter what your mission statement is, all these principles and philosophies can be retooled. I'm seeing massive organizations in auto and manufacturing retooling to build models that say, hey, we're here to service you throughout the five-year plan. We're here to build on additional value for you. When you drive off the lot, the car has enablement that's going to take you and give you a much bigger experience. We're working in audio and radio. We're working in you know safety mechanisms. So it's much more about the entire experience. And, you know, really taking the customer care into consideration and and building it out from there.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I know you're obviously speaking from a US perspective, and, and from a UK perspective, European perspective, I'm seeing exactly the same trends over here as well. You know, my, I've got a, a cinema subscription, a car wash subscription, a, a, a copy subscription. I, you know, they're, they're really racking up, and it's, I, I think it's only going to be a matter of time before I'm starting seeing, to be communicated from my customer success manager at these various different businesses and adopting more of a CS philosophy. Moreover, you know, it used to be a few years ago, even when I told my buddies the job that I did, had no real idea of what customer success was, and just assumed it was some other way of saying customer service. Now, e- even my mum has heard of customer success, so if I use that barometer. It definitely, I definitely know we've evolved to a level that my mum knows what it is, and I think my kids have heard me on on Zoom calls so much over lockdown. I'm pretty sure they could come in and do a similar presentation <laughs> on customer success as well. I don't want to test that philosophy, but I think it's true.
0: <laughs> well, in all fairness, Adam, I think I've probably worked longer for European-based companies such as Business Objects, SAP, Pipedrive, and a number of others than I have for US-based companies. And actually, Friday, so Fridays, I spend time doing one-on-ones with individuals that are kind of looking for some advice or just some oversight, and whatever. So I, I spoke with one startup, they're uh, financial services, and they're plugging into customer experience just around financial services out of Sweden. And they're finding, a, and it's tough. You guys have a tougher job, too, because there's much more difference in regulatory avenues that you have to be sensitive to. And so GDPR, et cetera. So over here in the States, we've got some other stuff, but we've got a you know a wider swath that we can deal with. So don't even get me started on South America. <laughs> but so anyway, so I'm sensitive. But, you know, that's the beautiful thing about being in a global com- community is that we're all going to learn the best practices and go from there. So.
1: Exactly. And that's what this podcast series is all around, You know, hearing some great examples of you've been able to share today about the evolution of customer success and how that's evolved and manifested itself and being part of the community. And it's one of the greatest things I love about customer success is continuing to learning no matter how long you've been doing this job for, nothing stays the same forever. And so just uh, tapping into the knowledge of others is, is always a great thing to do. Jeff, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Always enjoy our conversations and thanks for what you've contributed.
0: Oh, and likewise to you, your team, uh, everyone across the the board at Gainsight, you know, this is a a beautiful community we have and the thing that we do. And some days it's just amazing to say, hey, this is what we do for a living. Good stuff. Hallelujah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Adam. You take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to studiopodsf.com.